We want to thank you for joining us for our series on the Holy Spirit, Enabling Power. We pray that you will allow God to speak to you in a new way. So sit back and be blessed. Put your hand on your heart and let's pray today. Dear Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts today. Speak to our lives, we pray. That God, we would get our minds, our thoughts, our wrong thinking, our stinking thinking. We would remove out of the way. And God, by faith today, through our heart, we would receive everything that you would say to us today. We pray in our hearts today, we would receive your Holy Spirit. God, we pray in our hearts today that we would receive the victory, the power, and the blessing that you have for our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone shouted, Amen. Amen. So the Holy Spirit, what a great journey we have been on now throughout this great month. I can't believe the month is almost over. It's tough to believe that we're almost into April already, the fourth month of the year. Where does time go? They say the older you get, the quicker it goes. I don't know why some people even get out of bed in the morning. (laughs) Not looking at anyone in particular, but time does go. But I'm so glad that the Bible says even though time goes, we need to redeem the time. We need to make the best of it, the most of it. And, and I pray that you're making the most of it and the best of it. And we've been teaching you this month what I really believe will help you make the best of your life that will enable you to live a great life, a life of victory, a life of power, as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Looking at the person of the Holy Spirit and how He desires not only to infill your life, which means to dwell in you, for you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, but He also desires to empower your life, to give you the enabling power that you need. Come on, to give you that boost to give you that surge that your life so desperately needs. We've looked at the who. Who is the Holy Spirit? We discovered He's a person. He's not an it. He is a person, but more than just a person. He is the person of God for our lives right now. We've discussed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Who said that? Jesus. He said, John baptized with water, but I will baptize you. He spoke about those things, that you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's a biblical thing. Jesus spoke those words. We looked at seven or six, rather, key principles of what does it mean to be baptized. And the last being our favorite, that everyone is included that none is excluded, that it's available for everyone who confesses Christ as Lord and Savior. You have the availability of the infilling power of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we looked at the what. What does He want to do with my life? Discovering throughout the entirety of the Scripture, from Genesis, the creation, throughout the entirety of the Word of God, and now into our lives, what God is able to do with us, what God is able to do through us. And the sky is the limit what God can do to a life that is surrendered and given to Him. On Wednesday, we looked at the symbols. We looked at oil, dove, water, wind, and fire. The symbols of the Holy Spirit showing the nature, showing the attributes of God. That yes, He can be gentle like a dove, but He can be all-consuming like a fire. Yes, He can be refreshing like a cool breeze, but He can be a hurricane force that can sweep through your life, removing every obstacle and thing out of the way. So another great, great message. And today, we're going to talk about the why. Say with me, the why. The why. Why does my life need the Holy Spirit? 
Why do I need the Holy Spirit? Why do I need power? As I was walking this morning and I was just praying early this morning, I was just mindful of the service and and God just dropped this really simple equation in my mind and it's this, power equals victory. Power equals victory. Flip it around the other way and victory equals power. When you have the power of God in your life, you're going to have the victory. And because of the victory, you're going to experience greater power in your life. I'm telling you right now, if you need victory in your life, you need power. And power comes by the Holy Spirit. Power comes through the infilling power of the Holy Spirit. Look again at our scripture, Acts 1. Verse 8, this has been our theme scripture for this month. It says, but you shall, thank God it's personal, right for me, you shall receive power. That's ability, efficiency, and might. You've got the power, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. I love this. Notice where it says you are the witness. You shall be a witness first in Jerusalem. That's where they were at. Jesus is saying the power that will come upon you will change your life right where you're at. It begins where you are. Come on, you don't have to go somewhere to experience it. God says, I want to come right where you're at. And there's something that can happen right where we're at. But notice when it infiltrates, when it attaches itself, when it fills, when it comes upon us right where we're at, it doesn't stop there. But then it begins to flow out through us that it starts in Jerusalem, but then it spreads to Judea, it goes to Samaria, and there where does it reach? It reaches to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit wants to produce a life of impact and influence that is further reaching than where you're at right now. That it will touch your people at your workplace. It will touch your family that are lost. It will touch the nations of this world. I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to enable us to touch the whole of Baton Rouge. It's going to begin in us, but then it's going to flow out of us as we are a witness, reaching and touching others. There is a story in... I kind of researched it a little bit this week and I was kind of disappointed to find that this story is probably more fictional than factual. But they say there are references to it. But they told us of a story in Europe after World War II, how a, a, a village had been bombed. I believe it was in Germany. And, and as a result of the bombing, there was a statue outside the church, a beautiful statue of Jesus. And that statue was blown into so many different pieces. And the people of that community, they gathered the pieces together and they stored it away because it was a landmark. It was something of importance for their community, for their area. And after the war, when they were rebuilding, they got together and said it's important for us to rebuild the monument, the statue of Jesus that is important for our community. And as they began to build, they discovered that four parts of the statue were missing. The two hands and the two feet. So they decided, well, what should we do? I mean, look at the statue. It's so beautiful. But without the hands and the feet, it just doesn't look right. So they decided that they would go away and they would come back tomorrow and they would gather and they would decide what they would do with the statue. And that night, someone wrote on a plaque and they put it at the foot of that statue. And it says this, I have no hands but yours and I have no feet but yours. So when they came back that day, they had decided they were going to tear it down. It was an eyesore. 
But as they read that, they realized the truth of that. The statue had no hands. Why? Because we're called to be his hands. The statue has no feet. Why? Because God wants to use your feet to go into the world and tell people about the gospel. And that's what we want to be, the hands and the feet of Jesus, reaching, touching, impacting. The Holy Spirit says, you'll be a witness. I need the Holy Spirit to be the hands and feet of Jesus in my life. Every one of us in our lives wants power in some shape or form. God's will is us, for us to have power, to have meaning in our life. And not his, it's only His will for us to have it as in, I wish that you would. He wants it to possess us. He wants it to be alive inside of us. But every one of us longs for power. We need power in our lives to do certain things. Unfortunately, a lot of people use the wrong power. And as a result, what do they do? They cause problems. It's detrimental as they begin to rule over people and misuse their power. I wonder if any of you work for a boss. Don't put your hand up that maybe misuses their power and authority. And what does it do? It doesn't create a great working environment. But yet there's resistance. Why? Because there's misuse. They could much easier use their power in a greater way to motivate people, to build people, because that's what power does. But yet, because it's misused, it can tear people down. I remember once we did a youth camp and every year for youth camp we would have to bring in so many extra people to help us and we would sit down and work with them. Miss D can tell you about this. One day we gave this young girl a shirt and it was like she turned into a shirt monster. She turned into a power hungry monster. Just because she had a shirt that said leader, she lined everyone up in on her floor that she was in charge of in the dormitories and she had them all lined up and this is man, it was like regimental. It was like this. I had so many complaints. Why? Because someone didn't know how to handle the power. They misused the power. That's not good and that's definitely not God. God doesn't want to give you power to mishandle your life, to misuse your life. to to push people away. But God longs for you to have a power that you can be a witness, that you can take life and that you can be a blessing. It concerns me though as your pastor that many people, many of you today, don't have any idea that you are supposed to be powerful. But instead are weakness-minded. Think about that. You are weakness-minded. You have a weakened Mind, which spells out in a I cannot, I can't mentality. Come on, I can't do that. I can't do this. I wonder how many times this week you said, but I can't do that. There's no way I can do this. Look what it says in Proverbs 23 verse 7. It said, for as he, one translation says, or as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Notice that, for as we think in our heart, so we become. A defeated, weakened mind produces a defeated, weakened life. Because as we think those thoughts, we begin to live those thoughts. We become those thoughts. Defeat rules in our life. The failures begin to ride above us. We live what I want to call a stuck life. Have you ever been stuck? If you've ever been stuck in the mud, you're not going anywhere. You're bogged down. And the more you spin your wheels, you get more stuck. Too many Christians, too many of us are stuck. 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 I'm going to say something right now that some of you may say, what did he just say? Did I catch him right? I want you to hear what I would say right now. 
Faith is not Satan's biggest enemy. The fact that you give your life to Christ isn't the biggest threat to Satan. I'm going to say it one more time. The fact that you say yes to Jesus is not the biggest threat or the biggest enemy to Satan. Why? Because many times he likes the fact that people have given their lives to Christ. For this reason, he now has an insider working for him. He has someone that he strategically placed in the middle of the camp that can cause confusion and doubt. Satan today doesn't have to do a lot of work. Why? Because we do it for him. He really doesn't even have to redirect our lives because all he has to do is be a cheerleader and cheer us on in the thoughts we're already thinking and the decisions that we're already making in our lives. But here's what is a threat to Satan. Not our faith, but our faithfulness. Our faithfulness. What do I mean by that? The being full of faith. Living a life of faith faith, acting and doing, being what God called us to be. Just being a Christian and doing nothing is no threat to Satan. But it's someone that is actively involved in their faith and saying, you know what, I want to change this world. I want to be a witness for God. I'm believing for God and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to be there for you. Come on, many Christians aren't that. Many Christians are just saved. And they're stuck. They haven't grown. They haven't progressed. They haven't changed. They haven't been transformed. But your life pretty much is exactly the same except for a decision. Come on, salvation is not a decision. Salvation is an experience. Salvation is something that needs to be lived in your life. It's not just saying, God, I give you my life once and there it goes. Salvation is saying, God, every day I take up my cross and I follow after you. Every day I want to be led for you. That's the threat that produces great fear into the heart of Satan. And why should we not be the same? The scripture tells us, look what it says. Second Corinthians 5 verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. You're a new creation. You're not the same anymore. Wish someone would help me preach this today. The old things, the old you, the old conversations, the old negativity, the old curse words, all those things that you used to be and it used to be your identity. God says right now, you're a new person. You've got a new identity. You've got a new name. What did Jesus say to Simon? You're Simon, but now you're going to be called what? Peter, because you used to be a deceiver. You used to be this and you used to be wishy-washy because that's what Simon means. But Jesus says, but now you're Peter. Now you're rock. Now you're what I want you to be as a result of an experience. I wonder today if your life is just a decision or if you want your life to be an experience. You want to be new? Because that word new there means you can be unused. You can be fresh. I don't want to buy something that someone else has had. I don't want to buy some clothes or wear some shoes that someone else has worn. I want something new. Thank you very much. Come on. If possible, I want to buy a new car. Anyone with me on that? How possible if I, I want to do these things? I don't want to chew someone else's gum. Do I hear an amen? Do you want to reach under the seat and grab a piece and have some already tuned stuff? I want some fresh in the pack, thank you very much. And it better not be wintergreen. Who cares about that stuff? Wintergreen tastes like toilet bowl cleaner. 
Now, someone would say, how do you know what toilet bowl cleaner tastes like? I don't, but it tastes like it smells. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Tastes like it smells. Winter green is of the devil. If you like that, we're praying for your salvation. But as a result of your experience, the Bible says what? The old is gone. You're a new creation. You're a new person. And that's why I need power to my faith. I need power to the life of the decision that I've made so it can become an experience that I can live in it each and every day. And that's the Holy Spirit that does that for my life. Come on, the Holy Spirit is not that which saves me, but it's that which keeps me saved. It's that which keeps me living. It's that which transforms me into a new creation, causing me to live victoriously over the old stuff. And I like what that verse says. It says the old is passed away. The last time I checked, the word passed away is another word used for dead. It's gone. It's over. It's no more. At least it should be in each one of our lives. So we've got to get rid of that I can't mentality. We've got to get rid of that thought that there's no way as we are weakness-minded and we allow the enemy to tell us there's no power, there's no future. You're never going to break through that addiction. You're never going to break through that bondage. You're always going to be the same way. Come on, you've got to get rid of that I can't stuff. You've got to get rid of that won't stuff because you are then going against God's perfect will. And plan he has for your life. May I remind you today of Philippians 4 verse 13. It says, but I can. Come on, say with me, I can. Come on, say with me real loud, I can. Notice it's not I can't, it's I can. Do what? I can do all things. I can do all things through who? Christ, who gives me the strength. Come on, say I've got the power today. Come on, I've got the power. I can do all things if I have the power. If I don't have the power, then I can't. And I won't. But when I have the power, I can do all things. Notice though, God didn't say that you were called to do all things because the truth is this, you can't do all things. No matter how hard you try, guys, you can't look like Brad Pitt. No matter how hard you try, you can't go on the top of this building and jump off and says, God says, I can fly. You can even begin to sing, I believe I can fly. It doesn't matter how much you sing, how much you believe, how much you pray, you're going to hit the floor sooner or later. And remember, it's not the fall that you need to worry about, it's the sudden stop. And you're going to have a sudden stop and it's not going to feel good. But notice this, what Paul is really telling us here is this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen to this, the things that God has planned and destined for my life are fully possible. Everything that God has called me to be and God has called me to do, I can do that. I can be the best father if I have kids because God's called me to do that. I can be the best husband if I'm married because I can do that. Come on, I can be the best worker at my job because God has called me to do that. God can call me to be a witness because he's called me to do that. Notice that everything that God has placed upon your life to do, he says you can. You can. When you doubt it, you can. Come on. You can do everything that God has planned for your life. And it is fully possible through the power, the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. I can do mentality. We need to have that in our lives. Come on. We're no longer unable. We're able. Come on. We're no longer weak. We are mighty. The truth is that nothing is too hard for a believer who is baptized in the Holy Spirit and has the power of God inside of your life. The scripture that we've been using 
throughout the course of this Acts 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power. That word is dunamis. In the Greek, it's dudamus. It's a word that we can take the word dynamo from. It's a generating power. Just like years ago, and some of you would look at me crazy, but some of you remember what it was. We used to have dynamo lights on our bikes. Anyone remember those lights? That You would fl- flick a little thing on and it had a little wheel, and as you pedaled, your light came on. The faster you pedaled, the brighter the light went. When you slowed down, your light got dim. That was a dynamo. You created the power by the motion. Think about that. God is a motion that wants to generate power inside of us. Another word for dynamo or dunamis is dynamite. We know what that does. It blows things up. It's a power. What an incredible power. So the thought of the power that God wants to give to us is miracles. It's power. It's strength. It's a special miracle power that wants to live in our lives. And it's something that Jesus told us to wait for. Acts 1 verse 4. Jesus is about to leave. Notice what he says. And being assembled together with them, the disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. He said, the Holy Spirit that I've told you about, and you can read of it through the Gospels, read in it, John chapter 14 through 17. Anyone done their homework and read John 14 through 17? Anyone been reading through Acts this month? Anyone, 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 anyone? Come on, you need to be doing that. Read the Scriptures. Read the Word of God. Don't take everything that I'm saying. Read it for yourself. See the truth. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. You need to be in the Word of God. But why did Jesus tell them to wait for it? The King James says tarry for it. Wait for it. You know why Jesus told them to wait for it? Because He said you need it. You need it. If you're waiting for a bus, you're never going to get somewhere if you quit waiting. Because you are waiting for what purpose to catch a bus that can take you where you need to go. If you're waiting for something in your life, think about that. It's most of the time because you really need it. Jesus told them to wait for it because he knows they need it. It's the same as wisdom. Jesus says, don't only wait for wisdom. He says, ask for wisdom. Look what it says, James 1 verse 5. This is a bonus. I'm going to help some of you out today. Jesus said, or the scripture says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. I love that word reproach because it means to behave in a juvenile and immature way. It's like two kids picking on each other. Have you ever seen them teasing each other, playing with each other? Jesus says that's the kind of life that you've lived. That's really who you are. But in other words, what he's saying to us that he'll give us without reproach means that he'll give it to us to despite our past behavior or the actions. Why? Because he's given it to us that's reminding of of our unworthiness, the fact that we need it. And in fact, I believe it motivates God to give it to us because he really knows that we need it. But the Bible says, if you need wisdom, ask of him and he'll give it to you. Come on, if you need the Holy Spirit, he says, wait. Why? Because you need it. Everything he has is available. Ask and you shall receive. Wait and you will receive. Nelson's Dictionary Bible defines the power that we read of in Acts verse 1 that he told them to wait for as the ability or strength 
to perform an activity or a deed. Think about that. It's the ability or strength to perform an activity or a deed. No wonder he wants us. No wonder he wanted them to wait for that because he knew what was ahead of them. Jesus knows what's ahead of us. He knows that we need the ability and the strength to perform what's ahead, that we can be everything that he's called us to be. The Holy Spirit is the power of an almighty God that he wants to empower us to reach and accomplish things that go way beyond human limitations. The disciples received the baptism in one day and it enabled them to witness throughout the entirety of the world. That was something impossible to them. They thought there was no way they could do that, but it went beyond their human limitations. You may be saying right now, there's no way my husband would change. There's no way that I could get out of this debt. There's no way that I can be healed in my life. I want to tell you right now, there's a dunamis power of the Holy Spirit that says, not I can't, but you can If you begin to believe, it can go beyond human limitations supernaturally, taking your super or your natural and adding his super to it that you become supernatural in God. Because God desires for you and I to be a witness to our world. And when he calls us to do something, he equips us to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at this statement. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. I love that statement. I heard that at Bible college. I've never forgot that. Because many times if he uses those who think they can do it, then they think they can do it and they don't need God. God chooses to use the ones that have to fall prostrate before him and say, God, there's no way I can do this without you, but with you I can do it. Come on, God doesn't call the equipped. He wants to equip your life. Do you feel unequipped today? As long as you're called, as long as you're serving God and living for God, he wants to equip your life with power to help you be what you need to be. So here's the question today. Here's the question. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? With power. Are you a believer with power? Do you have ability? Do you have efficiency? Do you have might in your life? When you wake up in the morning, does hell tremble? Or does hell hit the snooze and say it's only them? There's no threat. Just leave them alone. Remember, our faith is not the threat. It's our faithfulness. Living the faith that is a threat. So are you a Christian who has power? Here's how most of us would answer that question. Well, I know that there is power available to my life. I know as a child of God, God's word says that it's promised to me because we know that it is promised. But that wasn't the question, was it? The question wasn't, do you know if it's promised? The question is, are you living in it? Do you have that power? Notice also the question isn't saying, did you have the power? Because there's a lot of people who've been a has-been. Look at your neighbor and say, you better not be a has-been. A lot of people have had power and they moved in power and worked in power. Maybe as a young child, you had the power of God over you that you would lay hands on sick and people and God would touch you. Come on, God's power didn't come upon you for you to be a has-been, for you to not have progressed in that, but digress. God's got greater things in store for you right now that you can begin to trust Him. It's not have you had it. It's not a past tense experience. Do you right now live with that type of power in your life? Do you have enough of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life that is changing you and that the problems 
that you face have met their match. As you are overcoming obstacles, as you are overcoming addictions, strongholds, those things that come against your life, they're not taking you down, but you're overcoming them through the power of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't just stop there. Are you now making a difference in someone else's life? So is the power in you enabling you, but now is that power helping you to make a difference in someone else's life? Because I'm telling you right now, he says the power comes upon you, but for what reason? To be a witness. So it's not just for you, it's for other people. If the answer is no to any of those questions, then today you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Oh, but pastor, I've had that experience. Well, if the answer is no, you're not living in that experience. And you need to ask God to relight that fire. You need to ask God to refill you once again with the Holy Spirit. Because someone can give me a gift certificate to go to Ruth Chris. Thank you very much. But all it is is a certificate till I go there and I sit down and I order and I place it on the table. Some of you have the Holy Spirit as your golden ticket. But come on, Charlie, you've got to go to the chocolate factory. Come on now. You've got to get going. Don't just sing of a golden ticket. Live a golden life with God. It's not a past tense decision or experience. It's something present for your life. So if the answer is no to any of those questions, you need the Holy Spirit. Why? Because of this. Look at this statement. It will change you from doing witnessing to being a witness for the Lord. It will change you from a doer and it will make you a beer. It will make you a being. Come on, I don't want to just be a doer. I want to be a being. Come on, notice the label that God gave mankind. He didn't call us human doings. He called you a human being. Why? Because it's a life that needs to be lived. It's not just an action. It's a life that's perpetual, that's living out, every day becoming new. Come on, you are made to be a being, not just a doing. That's what's meant by faith without works is dead. Look what it says in James 2, 17. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is what? Dead. It's dead. It's done. It's It's over. That's what's talking there about doing versus being. Come on, if you've only got works, which is doing what you do only, it does not produce faith in your life. But faith being in Christ, guess what? It results in a life of action. So you don't have faith with what? You don't have faith by works, but you have works by faith. If you're just a doer, you're not going to have what God wants you to be. But as you are being every day what God wants you to be, the result is in an action-packed life. Can you see why you need the Holy Spirit today? Come on, we need the Holy Spirit inside of us. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. James 2 verse 22, the next few verses down, it says, Do you see that faith, say with me, being. That's what it's talking about. Do you see that a life of being with God is working together with what? Doing. It's working together with the doing. And by works of faith was made perfect. As we are being what God wants us to be and doing what God has called us to do, He says that that kind of lifestyle will make us perfect. It will make us complete. 
Come on, we will, it will produce completeness in our lives. Any of you right now lacking completeness in your life? If I could just do this, then my life would be complete. If I could just break this, then my life would be fine. Come on, we need the Holy Spirit to complete our lives. We need His power and His presence and His ability to come upon us. Notice I didn't say perfection because He didn't call us to be perfect. That's a daily step. Each and every day, becoming more like Christ. But he did call us to be complete, to be victorious in life. The Holy Spirit wants us to move from just going through the motions of coming to church, lifting our hands, paying our tithes, going back home and nothing changing. He wants us to be removed from just being a doing to a life of action. You can go out right now and you can sit behind the wheel of a car and you can act like you're driving, but you're going nowhere. Until you put the key in the ignition, turn it on and put it in gear. We've got so many Christians that think they're looking big and bad, but they ain't going nowhere. There's not even a power in their engine. Come on, it's not even ticking over. And even if they want to go somewhere, they cannot. Come on, you can have the feeling of driving all you want, but I want the experience of driving. I don't want to just be a doer that just does stuff. I want to be what God has called me to be. I want to be powerful. I want to see my family. Family changed. I want to see this community turn around. I want to be lay, able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Come on, I want to be what God has called me to be. That's why I need the Holy Spirit. That's why I need His power. Because being enables me to have enough of God flowing in my personal life day to day to be able to live the life that Jesus has called me to be. Because I need to have enough of God flowing into me that he can make me more Christ-like. I need the Holy Spirit to rough off, knock off the rough edges, to keep me straight, to keep me pure. Now, please let me explain something just really quick. I'm not saying we can't do anything at all if we don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because we do have the Holy Spirit available to us when we're saved. In a limited form, we have the Holy Spirit. He has to be present for salvation. John 6.44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sends me draws him to me. Jesus was making reference to those of that day that thought that they could do what they needed to do, that they could work it, they could earn it. But God says there's nothing you can do, there's nothing you can earn. It has to be that which is drawn by the Spirit. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3. In the last part of that verse, it shows us what draws us, what leads us. It says no one can say that Jesus is his Lord except by the Holy Spirit, through Him drawing, through Him leading, through His gentle nudge. So the Holy Spirit is involved in bringing a person, a sinner, to conviction, to repentance, then to salvation. And a great example of the Holy Spirit in each one of our lives is even right now, any message that we preach. We're preaching a certain message right now, but the Holy Spirit in your life can be speaking a completely different message. The Holy Spirit right now can be exposing areas of sin in your life that you need to make it right with God. Speaking directly into you, drawing you, that's showing you that need you have for Him. That's called conviction. That's that uncomfortable feeling because of the sin or the unsurrendered areas of your life. Smith Wigglesworth, an incredible man of God, he used to walk down the streets of the areas around him and people would leave their plows in the field and come running to his feet, fall at his feet and beg with him for him to lead them to Christ. They would repent and cry out to him. Why? He was just a normal man. 
man, but he was a man that was led by the Holy Spirit. And as he went, there was a convicting power that came all upon those around. That wasn't a man thing. That was a God thing. That was the Holy Spirit drawing people to the answer, drawing them to his life. Anyone remember Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio? He was his conscience. Remember telling him what to do. The Holy Spirit in salvation is that in each one of our lives. He's our conscience. He's leading us. He's guiding us. He's directing our lives. And thank God that the Holy Spirit has to be present in salvation. But we're talking about another experience. We're talking about the baptism, that we don't just have to give God one room of our lives, but we can open up our whole lives and say, God, you have complete control. Come in and take residence. Come on, here's the question again. Do I just want a trickle or do I want a flood? Do I just want a trickle or do I want a flood? I think we can all be safe in saying that because of the kind of problems that we have in our lives, because of the mentality we have, because of the emotional problems, the physical problems, the, uh, all the problems that we have in each one of our lives, I think every one of us should be able to throw our hands in the air and say, a trickle ain't going to do it. We need a flood. We need a flood. We need a flood. I was reading a book this week on Joyce Myers talking about the Holy Spirit. And she was talking about everything that she had to battle through in her early life. Being molested and abused by her family and just the emotional effect that it had upon her. She said, I didn't just need a little to see me through that. I needed everything that God has. She said, I need a flood of God's anointing and presence. So I want you to know right now that God has everything you need to get you from where you used to be to where you need to be. Come on, God has everything through the power of his Holy Spirit to touch your life. Wait for his promise. What did Jesus say? Wait. Why? Because Because you and I need his enabling power. One last scripture then. I'm going to shut up and we're going to pray and then we can go home. But here it is. Ephesians 5 verse 15 through 18 says this. A great scripture. It says, see then that you work circumspectly. I love that word, circumspectly. It means carefully. It means to walk cautiously, sensitively, almost as a person would through a thorny terrain or over a slippy rocks or mossy rocks. As you're trying to walk, you've got to walk carefully circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, making the best of the time, or as one translation says, making the best out of every opportunity, because what? The days are evil. If you haven't noticed around you, the days are evil. People aren't getting nicer. Circumstances aren't great, getting greater, but we're not going to curse the darkness. We're going to light a candle. We've got the power inside of us that can illuminate this world, that we can be a witness first where we're at, but then a witness to everyone else around. Verse 17, therefore, remember therefore, why we're talking about what we're talking about. We're talking about the why, why we need him in our lives, why we need his accompanying, enabling power, because it says, therefore, do not be unwise. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the will of the Lord is, what God wants you to do. In verse 18, and the will of God is not for you to do this. It's not for you to be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. That word means a scattering in different directions, a waste by misuse, excessive indulgence in sensual or foolish pleasures. New Living Translation says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. But what? But what? But what? 
what? But be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Word of God says this instead is the thought. Don't take what the world has to offer to get past your problems. Just drink them away. You're not going to solve any more problems. You're just going to create bigger problems. You're just going to create a bigger issue. You can't find what you need in a bottle or in pills. You can't find it in someone else. But what does it say? Don't search for those things. But the answer is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, all you need is the Holy Spirit to control and take over your life. So what have we just read? The instruction for our lives is to live carefully. To not waste time. To be wise. To live in the perfect will that God has for our lives. Not to be deceived or misled by what the world has to offer. How can I live circumspectly? How can I live wise? I can't do it on my own strength. Because if I could, Jesus would not have had to die. But it's more than just faith. Thank God for faith. It's what we need for salvation. But God says, I want to give you more that you can be a witness. That you can live saved. How do I do that? By having the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thought when it says to be filled. In the Greek, that word is a continuance. It's an ongoing thing. It's not a one-time experience. Come on, it's the Spirit. It's a filled condition that does not stop with a single experience. But it's maintained by a continually being filled. Giving you the power over and over and over. Every day he wants to give you the power. Every day he wants to give you the power that you can live, that you can be, that you can serve, that you can do what God has called you to be. So the why. Why do I need the Holy Spirit? Because that's the type of power that I need to live victoriously. It's the type of power that you need to live victoriously. Each and every one of us needs the infilling baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I'm glad that God gives an evidence so when the enemy comes and says you don't have it, you can say, oh yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. Who are you? If someone asks you right now who you are and you say, my name is Philip Pimlet, don't believe you. What can you do? You can produce a what? Driver's license. And you can show them, here's the evidence. Here's who I am. If you don't believe that, here's my passport. Here's who I am. Here's my birth certificate. Who's I, who, who I am. Come on, aren't you glad that in life you have the evidence so when people doubt your identity, you can have the ident- what the evidence. Come on, the Holy Spirit wants to confirm your identity in Christ. Who you are in Christ. And with that, there is an evidence that comes to it. Wait for it. Seek it. Ask for it. Receive it. And believe that God is everything that you need. Why? Because we need power. Because power equals victory. Would you stand to your feet with us today? Thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit enabling power. Our prayer is that you've been challenged in a new way today. If you need anything or just someone to talk or listen, we're here for you. Call us at area code 225 274 1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us or visit our website at www.hflc.us and remember when you put God first everything you do will prosper.